What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here with NoOffSeason.com. Welcome to episode five of the Baseball Card Strategy Show. Uh, I'm excited to bring in my host, Kendall McKee. And uh, I'm going to hand it over to Kendall right now. And then I am going to uh, participate in the broadcast. So um, let us know if you have any comments in the chat. And for those of you, uh, for those of you listening on Spotify and Apple, we appreciate you and uh, looking forward to hear your feedback on um, Twitter at No Offseason Card or at Lefty McKee. Let us know what you think of the show. Join the Facebook group at sportscardstrategy.com and uh, look forward to uh, hearing from you in the chat. We will, uh, I will participate with you. And now I'm going to bring in Kendall uh, McKee from NoOffseason.com, JustBaseball.com, and Wild Cards Box Breaks to give you episode five of the Baseball Card Strategy Show, brought to you by NoOffSeason.com. Let's go. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Baseball Card Strategy Show as part of the NoOffSeason.com sports card department that we are going to give you some of the best content that we can, that we're capable of. And uh, we've, I guess, before I get any further, um, I know I got that I have been away for a while. It's been a crazy season for me. I'm just trying to figure out a new rhythm in life. Um, and baseball has kind of been just kind of up in the air. There's been uh, a lot of uncertainty in terms of investing, a lot of uncertainty in the market in general, a lot of uncertainty in just life, as you guys are probably knowing. And baseball cards have fluctuated quite a bit, especially from an investing in, uh, standpoint. Um, and so I've just been trying to figure out what kind of content can I put out there that's going to be helpful for my viewers um, and so I think I have a cool topic today, especially after we are mostly looking at prospecting here at the, uh, at, when we're talking about investing in cars, we are probably looking at some of the youngest and maybe the furthest off, uh, players. And we're always talking about projectability in baseball, pro, uh, prospecting, especially with Bowman cards. It's all about how big can this guy get? And is there lift potentially in their name? just from the beginning. So the topic I'm going to talk about today is the MLB draft that just happened this past week. So this past week has been the all-star break for the 2022 baseball season. And there's been a ton of stuff that we could talk about, especially from rookies that are, that have exploded. I definitely want to give a small shout out um, to Julio Rodriguez here. He destroyed in the all-star break. Like this was his coming out party. And I, if you did not get in on him sooner, you, you're going to have to pay big prices for Julio. Now um, I think he's a top five talent in the future. I'm not saying he's there right now, but I will say, I think he's a guy that the MLB will gravitate towards when you watch him play, when you watch him smile, when you watch him interact with fans, this guy is about the league. He loves playing. He loves the game. He loves interacting with fans. There was a video I saw of, I think it was his first home run. The kids caught it. They met him after the game, and it looked like Julio was more into meeting the kids than the kids were into meeting Julio. He ended up giving them a bat. They had a good laugh. Um, guy is an incredible ambassador for the sport. I think he's going to be like Fernando Tatis in the way that he is presented. He's a guy that like has a whole lot of fun, but I think the difference between Tatis and Julio will be that Tatis 
uh, is more of like an uh, like a rebel slash antihero slash whatever in the in the meta of what they'll present him as. And I see Julio being a guy that loves the game. He loves sports. He loves the fans. He's a guy that everybody can gravitate towards. And this is a guy that I think MLB will hang their hat on in the future of saying this is a guy that we want to be all over everything, anywhere we can put anybody. Julio is going to be the guy that we kind of lift up. That's my projection. So anyway, I did. I don't want to go any further on that because I do want to talk about the MLB draft for uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with the draft, this is kind of a new format. There is in the collective bargaining agreement. There were some things that changed in terms of the draft. And I think the MLB is looking around and saying, okay, we've, we, we've been a little creative with our draft the past couple of years. Um, in the 2020 season, there was only five rounds, for instance. And if you're unfamiliar with the MLB draft, typically there is 20 to 30, 40, like there have been tons of rounds previously. So when they did that in 2020 and they limited it to five, it really, um, it, it allowed for teams to sign players outside of the draft. Uh, and so I think that's part of the reason we're seeing so many good prospects in the game now. I don't want to talk about that today, but what I do want to focus on is some of the guys that I think are key names going into an investing standpoint that could be in 2022 Bowman draft slash if their cards get pushed, the Jack Leiter effect, something like that. Khalil Watson, you know, those guys came out later than the, than a 2021 draft product. And then at the very end, I'm going to compare 2022 draft and 2021 draft and where I think they end up lining up in terms of just comparing the two. So without further ado, some guys that are, you probably have heard of that I know are going to be massive, uh, expensive spots in the draft uh, product will be the uh, Andrew Jones. So Andrew Jones' um, son uh, – hold on just a second. Let me back up just a second, get, pull my notes up so I don't get completely lost and I'm not rambling for an hour or so and you're just lost. So Drew Jones, Andrew Jones' son, uh, went to the Diamondbacks at the second overall pick. He was projected to go over one overall for a long, long time. And then uh, another guy just jumped right in there who I'm going to speak on in a second. But I want to talk about Drew Jones first. Drew Jones is going to have some incredible, incredible prices that are attacked that are tagged along with his cards when they do come out. The reason I say that is because I want to start this off by saying, typically the second player in the draft does not come out in draft uh, in the draft product. Typically that one gets pushed to the MLB uh, or, or the Bowman baseball product that comes out at the starting of the season, because I think, I mean, there's all this like weird, like, Hey, we've just done this as a tradition, but I think the email uh, that, that, that tops and Bowman and, and whoever is involved in all that process puts that so that there are players that are desirable in the product for prestigious pools. And I could see them pushing drew Jones potentially to 2023 Bowman baseball. I'm going to like talk about this product, assuming that he is going to be pushed to 2023 uh, Bowman. Um, so I, I think Drew is going to be a very special player, just pre, uh, like for a little little rundown on him. I think he's going to be a very special player. He's defensively off the charts. He's going to potentially push Corbin Carroll out of center field, which is an incredible feat in its own. And the Diamondbacks, simply put, could have 
Drew Jones, Corbin Carroll, and and Alec Thomas in that outfield, and that is an extremely good defensive outfield, maybe even best in baseball when you look at analytical perspective of these guys are going to be flying all over. You're definitely not going to be able to hit a ball. This is not the Philadelphia Phillies outfield where you just hit it out there and they're probably not going to be able to run it down. This is going to be an outfield of just prestigious defense. They're going to be off the charts in terms of that. And to put it all together, these guys can also play great at the plate. And that's not something that we usually see with highly defensive outfields. Most of the time, they are they struggle at the plate. These guys are all top-tier bats as well. Alec Thomas probably has the, or the lowest ceiling in terms of these three players, and that is an incredible feat in its own. So I'm looking forward to Drew Jones being in this uh, center field position he has a Hall of Fame father who we're going to talk about in a second. And um, it, it, he is defensively incredible. I think there's small questions at the plate for him, but I don't think it's massive questions at the plate. The guy was probably picked to go number one overall if the Orioles didn't underslot um, Jackson Holiday, which I, I think he'll just end up being around cheaper. I think they could get Holiday for a little cheaper. Plus, uh, Jackson Holiday fits the shortstop position for the Orioles a little bit better. Um, so let me just go ahead and end the Drew Jones right there. Other than saying he has high defensive tools that are incredibly impressive. Plus he's also got a lot of potential at the plate. He's got a, a frame that is well, well, well into being built out. Um, he's got, he's six four one eighty right now. Um, six four one eighty is, is a beam pull. So uh, in my mind, so, this guy is going to add some add some weight for sure. Um, he's going to get top top tier money. The, the Diamondbacks, I'm sure, were thrilled to have him at number two. Um, if you had in this draft, there was two guys. It was like number one and number two, and then it was pretty unclear after that. And so the Diamondbacks were saying, "Yeah, whoever they get at one one, we're going to draft the other guy at one two, and we're going to be thrilled about it." Um, I think they the Diamondbacks are more thrilled about having Drew Jones, considering they had Jordan Lawler last year. Um, so uh, Jackson Holiday would have been a great addition to the Diamondbacks farm system but ultimately it would have raised questions down the road now if you're drafting that high in the draft you're not concerned about positional eligibility you just like baseball is going to wash itself out and that's the way baseball goes in the end so long term love the drew jones pick for the diamondbacks but i think he goes in 23 bowman all right, so I teased him just a second ago, but in one going 1-1 one, one overall is Jackson Holiday. This is Matt Holiday's son. So all, again, we have two right at the top. We have two guys that are former former uh, big league players and I'm not talking like fringe big league players. These guys were legit. So both of their dads were legit. Andrew Jones probably is a Hall of Famer. Matt Holiday probably is not there, but definitely a guy that was a stud. Um and what I think is cool about Jackson Holiday, his son, he's 6'1", 175, but he is young. This guy is going to project pretty well. He, and I, what I think I loved about watching Jackson's, like the, the, the film that I did in, end up getting to see, is he was so smooth, very light hands on the field. He's got that projectable bat. I think this guy, is, um, I, I saw some people like saying that he was, um, looking like a high school version of Bobby Witt Jr. This guy's a senior in high school. He's going to have a long time to get to the Orioles uh, field, but I think he solves the shortstop question for the Orioles. The Orioles have guys that they thought were going to end up being in shortstop, like for instance, Gunnar Henderson and some other guys, but those guys are probably going to end up moving to other positions. And when we look at that, 
uh, like Westberg and all those kind of things. When we look at that, we have Jackson Holiday fitting super well into that shortstop role for the Orioles. And guys, look out for this Baltimore team. Positionally wise, you can look around the field and they have studs coming up at every single position. They seemingly have catcher figured out. They, they you know, they've got, I, I, obviously they've got him figured out. He's incredible. Third base. You would assume that you got, you, you know, one of the few is going to be over there. You got OJ, uh, not OJ Mayo. Jeez, that is a Bucks backs blast from the past. But you've got, um, you've got Mayo potentially coming up. You've got Westberg, you have all these guys, and you're going to eventually kind of find the spot for them, similar to how um, you've seen that move in other farm systems. You got an outfield that's credible. You got CJ Mullins, who's going to potentially like be the old guy in, in up there. Um, I need to make sure that I'm not just butchering these names. That's probably my biggest downfall is I butcher first names. Uh, let me just make sure. God. Oh, geez. Um, anyway, Come on, Kendall. Mullins for now. You I, can I, do I, it, I call Kendall. him CJ Mullins, but I feel like that's wrong. The point is I know who it is, and I just struggle with first names. That's not helpful for you guys. That uh, Cedric Mullins, golly. Okay, so Cedric Mullins, they got Austin Hayes out there um, as well. You've got guys all over the field, and you have like this weird infield right now uh, of, of Mateo and Odor, and those guys are just stop holders. You're eventually going to have guys out there. Mountcastle, you're going to have Rushman, you're going to have uh, Hayes, you're going to have – Mullins is going to be the old man of the group, all that kind of stuff. And you're, and you're going to have guys, they have Grayson Rodriguez coming up. This Orioles team is out of control in terms of potential. But when you're looking at Jackson Holiday and you figure he is going to fill out just like his dad did. I mean, he's a skinny frame right now. But then when you see him next to his dad, you're like, yeah, I could, I could see that. When they interviewed him in the draft, you're like, yeah, Jackson could fill out similar to his dad. I love that about him. Um, I think he's going to grow in size. And, and I would still say he's going to have those soft hands. He's going to have that projectability to stay at shortstop. And if he grows in size, it, this guy is going to be mega potential. Um, I hope he ends up making a, a big splash at the major league level. And uh, I'm really excited about Jackson. In terms of that, uh, the, the next guys I wanted to talk about is there's some guys also all over this first round that continue this meta that we've had over the past couple of years of players that dads were professionals coming in and not just being names that are noteworthy, but names that are needing attention. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, uh, you've got uh, Bichette. You know, you've got... Um, Shoot, I, I mean, you've got guys all over the major leagues that are that were their dads were great major leaguers. In this draft alone, you've got super numbers as well. So if you look down the list, we've already talked about Jackson Holiday and we've already talked about uh, uh, Drew Jones, and then like Kumar Rocker drafted at number three, his dad was, was a uh, was a football player. So I mean, you just I people are fig like. When you look at guys my age, when they were growing up and even younger, they were just in these circles. And it just seemed like you had to know how to get in there in like the AAU circuit and stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now you're seeing the who's who of those of those dads, like little like um, uh, like who, you know, circle. And they're all those guys are now major leaguers, but they're not just major leaguers because of their dad's name. They're major leaguers because they earned it. Like, Drew deserves to be there. Jackson deserves to be there. And when you look down the list, 
I think there's other guys that deserve to be there. Um, maybe not necessarily as high profile, but you've got guys like Cam Collier, whose dad's whose dad was a major leaguer, Justin Crawford, Carl Crawford's son. Um, these guys are all over this draft class. And so that's who I'm going to jump to next. I want to talk about Cam Collier. We projected him at the JustBaseball.com draft class. We projected him to go fourth overall in our mock draft, <clears throat> in our last mock draft. He ended up going 18th to the Reds. First off, for the Reds, I love that pick. The Reds farm system, as we've talked about for the last couple of products, has been incredible in terms of Bowman products and Bowman first. If you're getting the Reds and any of these guys, all the way back from like when Jonathan India's cards were coming out, the Reds have been a desirable team to be selecting in breaks, to be uh, honing in on and their prospects. The Reds are bad right now, but there's a lot to come. We've got Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, Jonathan India is already up. You know, they've got all these guys in their farm system that are coming through and it's just going to get better. This Cam Collier um, addition is, is a huge win for them. Getting a guy that potentially could have gone fourth at the 18th pick is huge. He's third base. He's very projectable. there. strong arm, um, high average player. I think if you're, if you're, going to potentially target some guys in this in this uh, 2022 draft pros, uh, uh, possibility outside of like the Jackson holidays and stuff like that. Um, now, I'm not saying that Collier is going to be cheap. He will be expensive because of who he is and because the Reds are, are known for having a good farm system in this product. But I think it's a guy that you could potentially get a little bit cheaper uh, and he doesn't have the premier position of shortstop or center field or something like that. But third basemen are projecting really well. Um, the one downside for Collier's investment um, ability is I think he's a better average hitter than he is a power hitter. Now, we'll, that will remain to be seen when we see that. But then I'm going to also jump into Justin Crawford, who's a very interesting positional eligibility person. He was projected in our mock draft to go 21st overall, ended up going 17th, one higher than Cam Collier. Um Super, super, super athletic. And if you guys know anything about who, what I've been doing, I love guys who can fly around the field. They're not always the super investable type, but they're guys that I just love to watch and collect. And a lot of times people are enamored by them. Like look at what Julio is doing. Yes, he's not just speed, but he is clearly speed. When you look at um, Shohei Otani has amazing speed for his size. He's super, super quick. Um, when you look at guys like that, I think Justin Crawford. So when you look at draft, uh, profiles, he is the fastest guy in the draft, but he's going to be a super athlete tool. Um, so the Phillies ended up reaching here, I think a little bit, but I think with good reason, when you get a guy that's so stupid athletic and a guy who comes from a major league, um, father, a really, a pretty good major league father and a guy who knows how and what it takes to work, to be at that level. I think you can take his, uh, athletic ability and his, and his like super high ceiling in some uh, ways. And then you can tool that into a really good major leaguer. I think his floor is lower than Cam Collier, but I think his ceiling could potentially be way higher. So I think another interesting thing about these those two kids is they're both 04 babies. These guys are young. I mean, you're seeing like guys coming out of the draft this year that could, that are so 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 stupid young. Um, I mean, Cam, Justin, uh, 
and then and then Jackson Holiday. They're all super young. Oh, four babies in the in the in the in the minor league system now. Um, so these guys are not like right to the major leaguers like a guy like Kumar Rocker would be. Not that Kumar is going to go straight to the major leagues, but I think he will be there with Jack Leiter next year. Um, like I said, guys, we don't always invest in in, uh, in pitchers. I think Kumar might be a good opportunity for us. I'm not going to spend much time on that because like people just don't like investing in pitchers and I wouldn't recommend it overall, but I think there is money to be made. I think people will be a little bit like um, the sentiment around Kumar has not been great. Uh, and so I think people will take that and I think he'll be a cheap price, um, but we'll, that'll be remain to be seen. He will probably be the, uh, the most desirable pitcher out of the product. Um, but still, I mean, like, it's still a pitching product. Uh, interestingly enough, Jack Leiter's cards have not come out yet either. So <laughs> I don't know how that works. Maybe Jack was just holding out. And I think it could be cool if Jack and, and Kumar end up being in a product together. I just, I don't know what that looks like. And I'm not trying to speculate there, but um, just interesting. Um, another guy I want to talk about is Jace Young. You guys might be familiar with Josh Young, who is also a Texas Ranger prospect with um, Kumar and and Jack. So it's a good transition here into uh, Josh Young's younger brother, Jace Young. Both went to Texas Tech. Similar builds, but completely um, different, I think. I think these guys are couldn't be uh, I, I guess they could be further apart, but they are not the same player. Josh um, or Jace has more power and more plate discipline, but a weaker arm. Uh, I would say overall, probably not as good of a prospect, um, but different skill sets. Um, this guy is doing very, very well um, at what he does, but super unorthodox. If you watch Jace Young, you'll immediately recognize his load and his swing is different. He's kind of unorthodox in the way that he does, but he's got incredible um, projectable power and he's patient at the plate. And you like both of those things. You like think about projectable power. You think about, you know, guys like Joey Gallo, but Joey Gallo has no plate discipline. And so um, if you think about a guy with high plate discipline that walks a ton and hits a lot of home runs, um, you know, like that, that's projectable. Um, his arm is probably going to keep him at second base. So that's why he was projected sixth overall in our mock draft at just baseball.com. And he ended up going 12th. I think it's a very, very good pick at 12th. This guy has been working out with Josh every single day for the last couple of years, preparing for Texas tech season, but also it was that, that Josh was preparing for, for, uh, the Rangers season before he had his labrum surgery. Um, which by the way, I believe that, um, I've, I'm hearing little murmurs that that's going well and Josh will be back at later this year. Um, but Jace is going to be another name that people recognize. Therefore, um, I think he was, he was a good, uh, a good pick for the, the Tigers there. I think he's going to stay at second. So you don't always like investing in, in, in second baseman, but I think he's a guy that you can um, pick up in the draft product and potentially move. Uh, wouldn't say he was a long-term hold, but um, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of him. Um, he, he's a 2000 baby is a four-year junior uh, out of Texas tech. Definitely knows how to play the game. He's probably going to go through the system quickly. Um, and uh, he'll be he will be a good player for the Detroit Tigers. It's just a matter of uh, can he potentially um, prevent his holes in his swing because of how weird his load and and, and swing pattern are. So there's a couple more guys that I just want to reference really quick. Um, Elijah Green or uh, sorry. Um, yeah, Elijah Green that went to the Washington Nationals at fifth overall. 
Um, 6'3", 225, uh, high school senior, 03, baby, IMG Academy. So this guy, I'm actually saying he's probably going to be, um, I would say out of those top five, Kumar is probably the riskiest, but I think Elijah Green is the second riskiest out of those five because I think we might see a guy that has matured really quickly up against his peers, but a guy who's not going to have the ceiling that the other five will have. Um, Elijah Green is might be maxed out. I mean, you can coach a lot of things, and that's not really – I'm not saying he's he's going to be a horrible guy, but I just don't see him with the quite ceiling that I see for Drew Jones and, and Tamar Johnson and Jackson Holiday. I think Elijah Green, um, he, for instance, he's, he's 6'3", 225 already. Um, you know, he's probably not going to grow very much more. He's probably, I mean, he's already definitely got mass on him. Now, it, I, I mean, I just, I'm not, I'm not a super huge fan of, of Elijah Green. I was actually, when, when I was doing, talking about the Rangers on a different um, podcast, I was talking about, I think a big miss for me is if we drafted Elijah Green, because I just, I don't like, um, the projectability there is just not great. Therefore, I think he's going to be a relatively cheaper guy in the, in the 2022 product. Now, there's going to be people that disagree with me. And additionally, the Nationals are going to get an absolute haul and a half for when they move Soto at the trade deadline. Um, and so you can kind of take some swings here for a guy that is a is a big build. He's a guy that's going to be um, – he's definitely athletic, definitely a guy who's going to be a good baseball player, but I don't think his projectability is going to be as high as some of the other ones. And when I think you take a guy number five overall, I would have much rather have seen them go with a guy like Brooks Lee, who I'm super in love with. I think he's going to uh, project really fast, uh, a college bat out of Cal Poly. I would have much rather taken him at five instead of Elijah Green. Um, and, uh, I mean, there's – Actually, there's a couple of guys. I actually would have had rather had Jace Young, honestly. If you're going to take a guy who's who's already um, that big and that – I would rather take the guy who's experienced against college hitting. I just think he would come through faster. I think you're going to get more out of him. Uh, I'm not saying uh, – please don't hear me that I'm saying Elijah Green is dead. I'm just not as high on him as, as some other people are, and that's okay. Um but anyway, so as I move into that, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Brooks Lee, who I think was a great pickup by the Minnesota Twins, uh, an experienced college hitter. I think he's the best college hitter um, in this in this demographic. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that's super projectable, very fast to the major leagues. And so I think his card values will rise immediately. Um, I, I love the investment opportunity of Brooks Lee at shortstop. Uh, I think when you talk about Spencer Steer and Brooks Lee being on the Minnesota Twins and you got the, no matter what, if Carlos Correa stays or not, um, you're, you're going to have a good player there. Um, he's already, he's tearing it up in the Cape Cod League, so he's already using a wood bat um, and he's playing very, very well. Um, he's got three average and six uh, uh, slugging. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know he's in the th uh, the 300s and the 600s. Um, and he comes out of an experienced program with Cal Poly. Um, I, I like. I think he's a fast mover up the system. I think the Twins can move him quickly, maybe uh, two two years at the most. I think you would know 
if if Brooks Lee is going to be the guy or not coming forward. Um, I was uh, excited about him in the draft. I thought that, uh, for instance, we had him we had him uh, mocked going to the Rangers potentially um, for a shortstop position. Uh, but th- th- honestly, for uh, for a needs basis for the Rangers, I think it was better for them not to take him. They've got Simeon and Seager for a long time. You don't need a fast moving shortstop. Uh, coming up, especially when you have Jace Young, Josh. I mean, they've got incredible amounts of middle infielders there, so it didn't make sense, even though we thought he could be drafted third overall. For him to slide to eight to to, to go to the Minnesota Twins is incredible. Um, and uh, I think he's a guy that in the in the product is going to be a guy that I'm going to be honing in on. I'm definitely going to be trying to trying to grab Brooks Lee. Um, he's at a premier position. He's an advanced college hitter. I think they could place him probably right away in double A. Um, and, and he would thrive. Um, I wouldn't expect them to place him in double A, but I think they could. And um, because like I've talked about quite a bit, uh, that 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 double A, uh, single A to double A move is similar to what it would look like for a college hitter. Experienced college hitter is going to be right in between that level of, of high A and double A. So um, you're already seeing that kind of level is competition level uh, already. Um Last guy I want to reference before before we jump off here is is uh, Melendez. He he was the Golden Spikes winner from Texas. Uh, played great in the College World Series. Um, a guy that carried that Texas offense all the way through. Um, so I, he ended up going to the Arizona Diamondbacks with the forty three overall pick. Um, which I actually think was still high for him. The one thing I want to reference is he went to the draft i mean i know he's the golden spikes winner and he was like projected to be like the best college hitter but he's a right-handed first baseman very much that's what he's pigeonholed to be um i think he could he could be a major league um player and a good one um but he's just not an adequate defender at first uh, he's probably already pigeonholed to a dh uh, you just don't like drafting those guys, um, especially as a card a project or a card investor as well. I would expect Melendez to be a guy that people know. So he moves a lot like so he's going to probably be very liquid in the in the hobby. But it, you would not catch me dead um, right now, at least investing in Ivan Melendez. Um, I would I could see his cards moving quite a bit for people that are buying into Arizona Diamondback slots trying to get Drew Jones. And honestly, like if you are buying into a uh, a um, a Diamondbacks break for the 2022 Bowman first uh, Bowman draft product, Melendez is probably going to be the guy that you're going to get in that product because Drew Jones probably will get pushed to 2023 Bowman baseball, which is what I talked about previously. So uh, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of taking the diamondbacks here, although there are going to be names you're going to like um, a second year. Jordan Lawler auto could potentially be really um, nice out of that. Um, it's going to be a night. Nice, so it just depends on the price of what the people are putting up the diamondbacks for. And it just depends on if Drew Jones truly does go into 2023 Bowman or not. But Ivan Melendez, I think it's funny that he sat in the green room and he had a position on the stage for the draft and he didn't go till the second round. And there's a 43 pick in the second round. It's kind of embarrassing for him. Uh, but he was this Golden Spikes winner, but he's just super low upside here. Probably ends up being a de- designated hitter um, and might even – I mean, I, I'm not going to project this on him, but could end up being a guy that gets platooned uh, down the road. So 
um, an, an advanced college hitter, but in, in Arizona's defense, he could, he could go very quick or he could, um, he could move up very quickly in the system. Uh, very mature for where he's at. I think he's a super, I, I would say like his floor is high, but his ceiling is super low. So, um, and they got Christian Walker there for the next, you know, foreseeable future. So uh, I don't see him being better than Walker, um, but I don't know. Remains to be seen on Melendez. So uh, drop some comments, and guys. Uh, this is what I've covered for the first first round slash second round. If you if you include Melendez, there's uh, great pitchers that that happen to come out in the draft. Um, but like I said, we don't always invest in those guys. If you're going to invest in somebody in this product, I would invest in Kumar because he's going to have a high ceiling potentially um, could have go, could have gone number one overall uh, last year if it wasn't for his injuries um, that seem to be healthy now. So all that to say, uh, super excited for the draft. And then my last thing I wanted to cover was comparing 22 versus 21 Bowman draft. I am still going to go with 2021 Bowman draft here. I think that the shortstops that came out in last year's draft have an over, I think they would have been over most of these guys in the 2022 draft. I think um, a Jordan, I, I mean, I think Justin holiday would have been behind um, several of the, of the shortstops. I think drew Jones probably would have been up in the mix for those top five guys, but I think overall, this is a weaker draft um, at the top end. Uh, then 2021 and the 2021 product was out of this world. You're going to see those shortstops being projectable all over the MLB. Um, Meyer, uh, Lawler, um, even Watson didn't come out until 23 Bowman, but it's just super good guys in, in the 2021 draft. Um, and so I'm still going to take 2021 draft over 2022 draft if I'm comparing them and if I'm buying one over the other. But um, there's a lot of names that are going to be recognized in the 2022 draft because of their fathers. Um, so still think there could be a nice rise there. That is the, uh, the, the, the newest episode of the Baseball Card Strategy Show. Sorry it's taken me so long. Um, I look to do these, these more often. But uh, uh, see if, if I can give you just a little bit of words of wisdom here. We're looking forward to Bowman Chrome coming out sometime soon. Um, and uh, I would expect Jack Leiter to be in there. But we've expected him to be in each product so far. So uh, thanks for, for sticking it out with me, guys. And feel free to drop any um, college guys in the comments. I'll try to get on YouTube. Um, Paul usually tags me in some of those things. And I'll try to respond to anything that you guys have for me. Peace, love, I'm out. All right, Kendall, good work, man. That was episode five of the Baseball Card Strategy Show. A couple little first name blunders there. He said Justin Holiday. He meant Jackson Holiday. Um, interesting stuff, though, what Kendall said about uh, Drew Jones potentially being pushed to uh, 2023 Bowman. That will be interesting. Uh, I'm personally excited about the 2022 Bowman draft product and uh, have not gotten in previous draft products, but I may look to invest either in some hobby boxes or some breaks uh, because I did watch the draft and uh, found it very exciting. Um, I think that the, the bloodline draft is kind of what they called it. And it'll be interesting to see um, uh, what these guys do, but uh, even if they don't do anything, I have noticed recently that, you know, um, serial numbered Bowman first Bowman Chrome first of the top prospects uh, autograph Bowman first, uh, of the top prospects are uh, highly, highly investable cards. As many of you know, I invest in 
all sorts of sports cards. And um, uh, at nooffseason.com, we are constantly updating our baseball card rankings and we are going to make them more prospect focused. But we just actually added a ton of new uh, prospect profiles on our baseball card rankings at nooffseason.com. So check those out. And if you want to upgrade to get the full player profiles, including the cards to buy and the play to make for each prospect, uh, use the promo code NOOFFSEASON at checkout to save 20%. I'd love to know what you think of that product. And drop a comment here on the YouTube channel or uh, tweet at me at NOOFFSEASONCARD if you're listening on Spotify and Apple. And uh, definitely we'll get back to you. Really, really appreciate you guys watching and listening to the Baseball Card Strategy Show, Episode 5. I'm Paul Hickey with NoOffSeason.com. You heard my colleague Kendall McKee earlier. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day.